Hello, and welcome to Academy Conversations Uncut, a podcast of rare Q&As with the world's foremost filmmakers, hosted by the Academy and released for the first time to the public, unedited. Today's panel was recorded in June 2019 at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater in Beverly Hills, California. Discussing the Academy Award-winning movie, Toy Story 4, Pixar's 21st animated feature, we were joined by writer Stephanie Folsom, actor Tony Hale, producers Mark Nielsen and Jonas Rivera, and director Josh Cooley. The panel was hosted by Randy Haberkamp. Here's Randy. Good evening. I'm Randy Haberkamp, Managing Director of Preservation and Foundation Programs for the Academy, and thank you for being here tonight. What a perfect Saturday night for a movie. Uh, thank you and welcome our panelists from Toy Story 4. First, screenwriter Stephanie Folsom. <laughs> Actor Tony Hale. <laughs> Producer Mark Nielsen. <laughs> Producer Jonas Rivera and director Josh Cooley. Thank, Thank you, you all for being here tonight. Best logo joke ever. <laughs> anyway, love that. And it took so, the payoff to, came when you least expect it. The very last frame. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I'd like to talk, I and mean, I'm gonna, I know that this is, animation so things developed in different ways. Uh, obviously this is a sequel. Uh, Jonas, you were an intern on the very first Toy Story. That's true. But other than that, you guys are uh, all kind of new to the Toy Story world. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I worked on Toy Story 2 okay. uh, about okay. 20 years ago. Mark's okay. new. Just, just started on Toy Story a new two. guy. Yes. <laughs> okay. But as a, pr as a producer, this is also a new position. Yeah, first. that's right. Yeah. First time producing, yes. So you're like the second, you know, the new generation in some ways uh, for the Toy Story 25-year uh, you know, journey. So anyway, how did the idea of Toy Story 4 and the development of, of this project happen and who are the people that need to add to that story obviously I would think the screenwriter but the producers probably maybe even let's start well, with Andrew yeah let's start with Andrew uh, you know um, Andrew Stanton who's written on all the films and kind of the godfather one of the godfathers of Toy Story um, he he had an idea that w became a, a secret treatment that I think he was writing before three even came out and that's what he told us but nobody knew he was working on this and um, in that idea was the return of Bo Peep. And uh, uh, so that's, that's where that idea kind of started from. Um, and then we... Uh, yeah, we took, I mean, it, that was the nugget of the idea. But it, it, it was, it was f it's worth noting that the, the three of us, and b before we roped you guys in, we were sort of among the people at, at Pixar that, were, that questioned it. I mean, our initial reaction was, well, why, why would we do that? Because three had this beautiful ending and... Um, uh, and in part of it, it was this kind of poetic and emotional ending. Parent, Toy Story has always been sort of a, based on a parental analogy. You know, the, t the toys are there for their kids when they need them, and this 
this kind of story of the, the Andy going off to school felt like this closure. And Andrew, what he was working on, unbeknownst to us, was uh, a version where he said that's never been the ending in his head. That's always been the ending of the Andy-Woody uh, relationship. But this, there's another chapter. And now he's, he's writing this, of course, uh, as his kids, our kids are a little younger, but his kids had just left to, to go to school, to go to college. And I... Uh, he kind of was fueled a little bit by this observation of us as parents. And I think in the first position was Andrew is, what do you do when, you, when you've done everything you've kind of been asked to do? You've done a good job, and now you're, you're, you're left to redefine yourself. And was he started talking about that with us, about Woody, that became very interesting. We went from kind of crossing our arms a little bit to like sitting forward and going, okay, well, that is interesting. What would he do? What if, we could, what if we could pivot Woody in a way that would have him even questioning who he is and what he does and why he does it? That felt movie-worthy. Yeah, and us. I think that took us to like a really interesting level, too, where it was like Woody is questioning his purpose, and then we kind of expanded that out to, like, what is our purpose in the world? And that kind of became like the driving theme a little bit of the movie. Which it led us to Forky. It's very much an, <laughs> an empty nest story for, for Woody. It's like... He, he has been there for his kid no matter what, which is what he's been saying for three movies. And and now his kid went to college, and it's kind of like now I mean, he's in a new room, which was, that's the thing that got me excited about it. It was like, I know Woody so well from watching all these films, but now I've never seen him in this situation before. Mm -hmm. And that's what was really exciting about it. Mm -hmm. So talk about developing this film that's that you even show, Andy, from the original Toy Story. You could say it's nine years during the scope of this whole thing. But Andy... 25 years ago did not look like that. So what were the challenges of producing Toy Story 4 with the technology and the know-how that you guys have now and at the same time making it feel like it was Toy Story? Yeah, uh, yeah. With Andy coming back in this one, you know, the technology has marched forward so far that we needed to rebuild and reshade all the characters to bring them into the up to code, so to speak, to get them in the movie. Andy, that gave us a chance to kind of upgrade Andy a little bit. If, if we were to just put the Andy from the first Toy Story in this one, I think he would have scared audiences the way that he did back during the first one. We had the chance to make him look a little bit better, so we took advantage of that. We had to put him in a red hat, though, to make sure everybody knew it was, it was Andy. Um, but yeah, uh, technology, it's, that was, Toy Story was the first ever animated film. And so it's kind of, it's been light years, uh, since then. And, it, and it's, and so we had the chance to put a lot of real rich detail, um, into this film that we didn't, uh, have in the early days. You know, we're always pushing technology to the limits on all of our films, but, but now what we're capable of as, as a studio and just in the world, um, is just so much more detail. Uh, but it was important to us that it felt like the original Toy Stories did. You weren't pulled out by that new look, but that when you think back in your mind's eye what it was like to be with these characters in the early films, it felt the same in Toy Story 4. So, Jonas, this is your first directing um, project ever, right? I mean, uh, Josh. Josh, yeah. Yeah. Josh, I'm sorry. Yes, this is uh, the first uh, yeah. film I've directed, yeah. Yes, and this is also, so you're directing for the first time and you're directing based on a sequel that was originally directed by the founder of the studio and everybody else. That, so what was- You're what freaking kind of, me out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. So, and and but the other part of it is uh, you were a sole director. Oftentimes with animation, there's two directors. So uh, was that uh, especially daunting for you or? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was uh, uh, when I was offered the chance to do it. You know, I've worked at Pixar for 16 years. 
um, in the story department and um, wrote on Inside Out as a head of story on, on that film as well. So I was close enough to see how it works, um, but you, j you, know, you never really know until you're in the driver's seat and everybody has a million questions for you. And um, so, yeah, I was, it's, it was a lot. I mean, I, I love these characters so much. I experienced the first two films as an audience member. I didn't work at Pixar yet, so I, I got to come into this as a fan. But, um, you know, there's a lot of, a, it's, a, it's a tall order, especially after three, and, and make, wanting to make sure that it felt like a story that needed to be worth, that needed to be exist, in existence and, and worth telling. Um, I recommend for all first-time directors that you should have Tom Hanks be in your film. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> So Stephanie, I want to ask you about the writing in that uh, it's, you know, judging from the audience's reaction, it's a very funny film. And it's also characters that are established. So writing for characters that are established and yet coming up with new material and even some new characters and jokes and, and creating that uh, rhythm. Uh, what were the challenges for that? Well, I, I mean, I, I think like the key there was that actually having all the people there who had worked on the first film as kind of like a sounding board, as kind of like a guidepost too of like where they were when they came up with the characters in the first place was just an unending wonderful resource and really helped a lot too. And I think also it's just the actors, their voices are so just ingrained. Like Tom Hanks speaks a specific way. Mm -hmm. You know, Tim Allen speaks a specific way. And so it's like we got to play, and, and Tony can speak this too, we got to play and create the voices of the new characters in a great new way. But there was a lot of foundational material to work with to know how they spoke and how they would react to various things. Mm -hmm. So Tony, I'd like to know, uh, uh, when you, are, I'm sure you had to uh, be wooed to take this part. So what, what were the characteristics of Forky that uh, convinced you that this was a role for you? Yeah, I, I think I said yes a little too fast, actually. <laughs> um, but I, when, when I came in, uh, they, first they, they, they brought me up to uh, Pixar, which is like a creative wonderland, and I had never been. And they were so gracious, uh, but they, just, they they showed me a picture <laughs> of Forky, and I was like, huh, not what I, not what I imagined. <laughs> um, but just the way that they described him as being so new to the universe, not really knowing anything of that, you know, toys would drop to the ground, he'd just be like, what's going on? Why are you guys doing this? And he was just such a blank slate, and describing him as really having this childlike wonder and... I remember when my child was five years old and she just had questions nonstop and he was just, um, and he didn't, he, he also, just, <laughs> he just had one route. He's like, I help people eat chili and then I go to the trash and that's, <laughs> that's it. Um, <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's a wrap. So, um, and so the fact that he, Woody comes along and says, no, you have, you have a greater purpose than that. You have value. And, you know, it's just, and actually, I will say, like, starting out doing about just, you know, doing trash different ways and, and kind of the humor of Forky and all this kind of stuff, it wasn't really until later that this just beautiful kind of meta message came out about someone who might see themselves as just having that one direction. They've been told that and that they have a greater purpose and a greater value really formed. And it's just, just beautiful how it kind of morphed into that, really. Mm-hmm. And he gets the girl at the end. <laughs> and he, he meets a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Finds his> meaning. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Josh, I'd like to ask you a question because uh, one of the things that I think is challenging about animation, which traditionally gets seen as for children or whatever, there's a level of, I think, very deep maturity to, the, to this story. And also there are uh, places where I want to applaud you for being so, and I'm sure this was, uh, there's others, including animators involved in this, but uh, there's very specific visual performances, sometimes just single uh, eye blinks, very subtle things where you know what those toys are thinking and you know what they're feeling. And the voices, of course, certainly help and, and give you that tenor, but there's also the performance and the silence occasionally. Um, that you allow these characters to have. So I just want to talk about, your, get, hear about your, uh, I guess, your rhythm and how you find the ability to allow that breath. Uh, yeah, that was one, uh, I'm glad you're asking about this because this is one thing that I've never seen in animated films, which is letting the scene just kind of be, you know? Um, and, and knowing that this film is going to be about this relationship between Woody and Bo, I knew that we'd be relying really heavily on our animators, and they are, as you could see, phenomenal at their jobs. So um, my, and they're actors. They're they are, um, they're just as important as Tom and, and Tony and, and everyone. So, you know, I'd sit down with them and I'd walk them through the scene and kind of go, "This is what what he's thinking at this point. He's not saying it, but this is what he's thinking." And um, then. Bo sees that reaction, and she's thinking this. And so we would literally break it down thought by thought, and then the animators would go away, animate, bring it back together, we'd watch it, and see, is this, is this still tracking? Is, this, is everything you know, working? And um, being in animation, it's amazing that you know, nothing is real, obviously, which means that you can direct everything. <laughs> so like, uh, for example, underneath the car, when they're saying goodbye to each other, the raindrops coming off of Woody's hat. One of them was going through his eye, like in front of his eye. So I said, let's move that to the side and have it drip over here. And they're like, okay, yeah, we can do that. So, you know, every single eye blink, every single inhale, every single subtle thing is, uh, has been planned and, and talked through. I love Woody's face in that scene where he's laying on the pavement and you see him missing Bo and then Andy comes and scoops him up and he puts his false face on. Uh, and yeah. it's just very subtle and a big screen moment, you know, where you need to see that that scope. So anyway, uh, the film is kind of about separation, I think, in many ways. So I'm just wondering what part of that uh, did you guys connect with or what what do you see? Uh, what was your through line for your part of of dealing with that theme? I, I think it's um, how a lot for me, I mean, really connecting with like Woody's journey and, and Bo and how that kind of tied together was just like this idea of like loss and how do you redefine yourself after you've lost something that really defined your complete identity and your purpose in life? Mm -hmm. And um, how do you find meaning when you have essentially, I, you know, a little bit like, you know, he, his kid's gone. You know, what, what do you do with that after that? Who do you become when your entire purpose was just to be there for that child and you don't know where you belong in the world anymore? And then you can get into this really interesting emotional territory. And, you know, Woody is mourning the loss and Bo has found a way to redefine herself within that loss. And so she becomes a little bit of a mentor figure to him, which is mm -hmm. kind of a great journey. Mm -hmm. we, we talked a little bit about it as well, as just the human kind of nature to resist 
change on any level. I, mean, I think that's something we, I certainly relate to, you know, and, and we, we put ourselves in it in, in, that, in that, like Woody's world is upside down. I mean, he was once uh, replaced um, or, or threatened to be replaced by Buzz Lightyear. And even Woody in the first movie kind of admits it like, well, look at him, you know, he's Buzz Lightyear and he can do all these things. He sort of comes to terms with that. Well, now all these years later, he's replaced by Forky. Like poor Woody is like, there's, there's, we've pushed him to as far as we can. And he still won't let, no, no offense. He still Please. won't let go of, <laughs> total sense. of, of that job. So there's this, I think, um, if you strip Toy Story, uh, if you strip all, all, everything away from it, it really is about this guy that's just trying to hold on to what you can't hold on to anymore. There's something to that. We just talked a lot about how, that we we relate to whether it's us at work or in our families or whatever whatever it is that just feels kind of human and so I don't know when I was whenever I was in the story we were talking about uh, all all the themes and the, and the plot I would always kind of hook into it on on that level. I do think Forky's going to be a really hot Halloween costume, so <laughs> <you're>, yeah. prepare <laughs> yourself. <laughs> You know, in addition to the separation, I think uh, one thing watching this movie I realized that has been throughout the entire franchise is you see these group of characters that are all incredibly different and they work together, they live life together. Woody is constantly saying, come on guys. And there's, you know, Buzz and Woody could not be more different. And they, there's a celebration of their differences and they find ways to work it out and they're a group and they're a gang and they keep going. And it's just such a beautiful example of like, yeah, that's how we're meant to live. We're meant to live this life together, mm -hmm. you know? With potato heads and dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So who, and again, who is on this, who's not on this stage that, I mean, animation never gets credit for production design and costume designs. People just pretend it's always there or that it's a, a drawing or something like that. But to talk about the production design or the cinematography. Who are the people not here that you want to celebrate or point out their work? So there's like 350 people. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Bob Pauly yeah. uh, was our production designer, and he, go he goes all the way back to the first Toy Story. Um, and he so, designed Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, he designed Buzz Lightyear. So we, we wish he was here. He, he brought so much. Um, to this film and, and assembled a great team. We had f he had five art directors working for him, um, whether they were looking after graphics or the, or the characters or the sets or the shading or the lighting. And uh, that team is really responsible for just bringing such a great uh, visual rich richness to this film, both the locations and the characters. He had a great way, too, to boil it down. He was really key to, to this to this movie is the whole crew and one of the things just to point out was obviously the movies visually progressed over the years I mean one looks very different Andy and you know all that but Bob had a great way he just boiled it down he's like look at it. it's three things it's three things it's Toy Story is a world where the shapes are slightly caricatured where the textures are somehow amplified and where the lighting is theatrical so if we maintain those three things forget the technology that is the visual grammar of toy story he just anchored it and so all the rain and all the 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 detail of the of the uh, antique store still had those three ingredients up front we always talked about those three things it was really i thought it was a really smart way to to frame it and it was a mental model that the crew adhered to uh, that, so that's kind of key piece of it. He was a great resource on story-wise too, just because he held all the <clears throat> he held all the knowledge of the previous films as well. Yeah. And it was just like great having him there as kind of being like, yeah, that that feels right. That would be something that you know right. Buzz would do. That's something Woody would do. 
Well, I really love the flashback scenes and the, the which you don't know are flashbacks for a while. Oh, the ducky and bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm sure that adding you adding Kim Peel and, and Tony was some uh, new lifeblood for you too. All all the new characters. That that mm -hmm. was some of the most fun we had was mm -hmm. just putting new life into into the into the that we've never seen before and but then mixing it with characters that we know. Mm -hmm. And so that was a lot of fun with, with Tony, Key and Peel, um, with Ali Maki and, and Gabby Gabby, uh, with Christina Hendricks. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a lot of fun to do that. Especially with uh, Ducky and Bunny, you know, we, we realized that Carnival Toys, which we've never seen in Toy Story before, they have the worst existence out of all the toys, <laughs> which is they're basically bait, right? They just hang there, and kids come up with money, and they want to be owned. The kids want them. They want the kids to want them, and but then they're never going to win these games. And so they just hang there and get sun bleached and move on to the next town. And so we, we as I'm talking to, to Keegan and Jordan about it, they're like, oh yeah, they've got, a, they would have a horrible lookout on life and be kind of jaded and and also kind of be influenced by the carny lifestyle. And so uh, that's kind of where that came from. Mm -hmm. Was there a sequence that was and the most problematic as far as writing or uh, getting the tone right or you know what was kind of the linchpin for you guys that that you felt like once you'd conquered it, you had it or something. Well, Couple, of, I mean, Stephanie, you should, the end. I was gonna the say end. the ending. <laughs> I mean, Bo and Woody yeah. seeing each other for the first yeah. time. There's a lot of fragile. That was, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that took a many iterations. Yeah, and it was it was just having having that beautiful moment be done in a really visual, beautiful way, you know, because you didn't want to have just a bunch of like, hey, buddy, great to see you, like just to have that emotional like, oh my God, it's Bo. Mm -hmm. That like to nail that moment was no easy task. Mm -hmm. So Tony, you've done other animation. I'm just curious as to how this process was different, or or what you enjoy about voicing, uh, doing voices for animation. Yeah, um, I mean Pixar was really unique because typically with other animation, you're kind of separated in a booth, and you, there's a piece of glass in between you and the writers and directors, and you know you kind of do your thing, and then everything goes silent, and you just kind of see them talking about you, and you're just all the all the insecurity just flushes over your body. Um, but with Pixar, you're all in the same room, and so you're in the same room, and you you really feel like it's a very kind of collaborative effort, which I really appreciated, kind of the warmth that they they made with that. Um, it was with with kind of voicing something. It's it's unique because. Um, I mean, I look at my character on Veep, and it's there's so much physicality. And actually, my <laughs> my character on Veep really wasn't even allowed to speak. Selena Meyer wouldn't let me speak, and so I could only use my nonverbal, um, you know, eyebrows and all this kind of stuff. And and Forky doesn't even have any flexibility. He's just a spoon, you know. His arms are completely out of control. His eyes <laughs> don't even have any control. And so it was all the voice, you know, it was all he, I mean, he, and that's why he just went crazy and asked a ton of questions. So it, it's, it's something that I think it just when I would do it, I would just kind of try to be as silly and then hope it would channel into the microphone. But to speak to, I mean, granted, I, I'm saying all this by saying like, the voice is so grateful to do it, but we are a piece of this pie and the most of this pie is the artistry and animation that has gone into this movie. It's incredible. And you even look at Forky, he seems very, very simple, but I was talking to Josh about this and 
his textures alone, like you have the plastic of the fork, you have the, the pipe cleaners of the arms, the googly eyes, the wood of the feet, the clay, all those textures are so specific to get right. That is a tremendous amount of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, 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 uh, the hours of labor that has gone into this is just unbelievable. What was it like, I mean, you do the voice, what's it like seeing it all put together in, in, with an animated film like this? Um, I mean, it's... It's crazy. I'm still, I feel very much like Forky. I'm still just kind of like, huh? What's going on? Is this really? Like both Forky and I have a bit of the imposter theory that someone's going to pull us out at any moment and be like, nah, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, it's very exciting. And it's, I will say, not to sound like a, a screen, but, but it's like when you see it on the big screen and to go to the premiere the other night and, and see it on the screen, just be like, dang, the detail. I mean, that water in the beginning shot it's just it blows my mind it feels like i'm watching magic like i just i don't even get it you know well i really thank you all for taking time out and to, to talk about the making of this film i think uh it's it looks too easy uh and i know it wasn't so thank you very much for uh giving us some insight thank you good luck thanks so much thank you take care thanks everyone thank you Thanks for listening to Academy Conversations Uncut. We hope you enjoyed this unique access to a members-only Q&A at the Academy. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and help us reach film lovers around the world. This podcast was produced by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences.